0: Hello and welcome to the Overly Average Car Culture Podcast, We're all your hosts, some of us like toast. Uh, we're going to talk about some really, just, <laughs> yes, exactly, bad joke to start with, <laughs> setting the bar high and now it can only get better. We're going to talk about what's new in the world today, looking at some electric cars, some Italian things, some German things, also pontificate on some of those uh, opportunities for some of those brands. Uh, We're also going to be talking about where you can experience car culture uh, beyond this podcast, which is the pinnacle, obviously, despite what my co-host might say. And we're going to talk about motorsport because some exciting things have happened. And there is the Monaco Grand Prix coming up. We're recording this before the Monaco Grand Prix. So you might listen to this after that, but, you know, go back in time. We're a time machine as well in our spare time. That's That's what we're going to talk about. Let's do a fun fact of the week to start with. Andre, tell us something exciting that's happened this week for you.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I have to be honest, it wasn't this week. It was two weeks ago, but it was uh, it was great and the opportunity to drive a Polestar two. So that is a fully electric uh, vehicle made by Polestar, and they are we. Let's say a startup, but they've uh, they've made only one vehicle, Polestar one. They're easy in the number. No, it was it was great actually. It was only for thirty minutes. I don't have a lot of experience with driving electric cars, so that was interesting for me. I guess the the great thing of it was I got into the car, beautiful design, looks great, great materials and everything like that. A lot of people say this about them, but um, it did feel a bit like a Volvo inside, is, is which that... is not a surprise. It was engineered by the Volvo engineers, but it felt like all the goods bits you get from a Volvo. And then they packaged it in an electric vehicle, which was pretty nippy and really good to drive. Made the right decision. of not going one with the, the performance pack, which then gives it the 20-inch wheels, the bigger Sorry. wheels. The, Sorry, you said the, you didn't
0: want the performance pack.
1: No, I wanted to try the non-performance pack um, because I was like, if you're ever going to own this car, let's be honest, it's a 2 ton car. It's not going to get really sporty. Let's be honest.
0: I mean, EVs can be fun. They All can the, be fun. They're good dynamics. You say that.
2: You say that. But there's this um, Instagrammer, YouTuber Misha Sheridan, if I uh, uh, speak his name correctly.
0: You, you definitely not. But continue.
2: But um, <laughs> he he swears by this car. There's he's in love with this car, whacking the car over the Nurburgring. So he's an instructor. Okay. Um, and, and became quite famous on, on, on YouTube and all. But uh, he loves the car. The only thing he doesn't really like driving that car over the Nürburgring is when the, the seatbelts tighten uh, automatically. Okay, yeah. But he was surprised by how fast you can can throw that car over the circuit. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I must say EVs, because of their battery weight being so low down, they're quite, they're quite good to chuck around. I've chucked around an i and a Model S quite a bit. And they're surprisingly good, especially with the all-wheel drive that they had. Uh, you could really let loose. Not that you should do that on public. Yeah, and,
1: and and that is true. Like the handling of of these is always pretty good, but to change the direction still isn't. It, it you can still feel the weight. you can't mass the weights to to the nth degree. Um, and plus, for me, the experience was about okay. Considering I had, like, a couple of weeks ago, driven a V60 cross-country, absolutely loved it. It was really comfortable, a nice place to stay Every time after work, you jumped into that, and it was just a real nice place to be. Good materials, nothing fancy, nothing, like, gadgety or anything. But Everything worked and everything felt great. And this had exactly the same. It's just a nice, peaceful environment. Everything seemed to be working really well. Actually, they've got that massive screen with google on it google car mm. and that that works really well i was really impressed with that it's, it's slick it's smooth and easy to use to be honest yeah that I, I really enjoy that and to the point that now we keep in the household we keep thinking oh could we get one could we i mean there's some benefits of course with, the, with what arrangements we can have but yeah i i really enjoy that i guess i'm not an early adopter in that sense would be range anxiety I'd still have that, even though I've got other cars on the driveway that could yeah. get me anywhere. But uh,
0: I, I think you'd get past the range anxiety once you used that car for a week quite quickly. You'd realize you don't need to charge it everywhere. You just charge it at home because you have a driveway, so you can. So you're in a good position where you can run a pin plug if you want to leave it charging overnight. You probably have enough to go to do your daily stuff. And I must say, the, the Google integration is actually quite... I, mean, I don't understand why no one else is doing this en masse very few people are just sticking it it just makes so much sense uh developing your own infotainment package for every brand and then trying to compete is quite pointless when everyone just wants to use their phone to actually yeah exactly yeah
1: i I, I would struggle to see people walking into the dealership and going i want this car because of the uh the 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 system that you've got on your car Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm. Even in a car that has its own like nav built in, you're more than likely to be using Google Maps or ways to get around. So, why not just integrate it into the car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think. Or have yeah, the flexibility. Or have the flexibility, exactly. Well, most, most cars now come with Android Auto and CarPlay plugin. So, that at least opens up some things. But the actual Google Auto makes a lot of sense. Android Auto makes a lot of sense as the OS. So, uh, would you buy one? Oh that's
1: a good question. So, I, I guess first of all, I'm not in a position to be spending that kind of cash if I had to buy one. So, answer short term would be no. But leasing through
0: yeah, the, for yeah. the right
1: price, yeah, it would definitely yeah. be be something I would consider.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Val, tell us what's happened in your life this week, or oh, in the last two weeks.
2: Good job. Fun fact. Fun fact. Okay, uh, Michelin, right? Tire company you we all know this um we also know the michelin star the restaurant guide right so yeah Mm -hmm. what is the link between them because they are the sit from the same company i read this this week michelin wanted um their customers to drive more hence they introduced this uh restaurant guide and um Their idea was that that when people drive to these restaurants more, the tires will wear out faster. Hence, they will buy uh, Michelin tires quicker.
1: That is brilliant. It's it's genius.
2: It's not very environmentally
1: approvable anymore.
0: No. I mean, do you think there is a similar (laughs) correlation to the Pirelli calendars? Does that make any sense? Why would you have a calendar as a tire company?
2: Yeah. But, the, but Pirelli always, you know, they, they also had their, their design in the, in the prof tire profiles, didn't they? They were really present with this, They're really marketing this. And of course, this, this calendar is maybe a bit older than that, but at least they had some styling and, and design idea behind it. So sexy tires splendid. and sexy calendars. Exactly.
0: exactly. Sexy <laughs> tires, sexy calendars. Yeah. They also were some sexy rims, I must say, the Pirelli P-slots, which I'm seeing more and more of on the road now.
1: It's disappointing that it's a podcast and we can't actually show pictures of it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe in the future we can. Next episode. episode. (laughs) The whole Pirelli calendar. We're going to YouTube. Yes. (laughs) The whole Pirelli calendar, slide by slide. Three hour show. Lovely. That's excellent. Well, thank you for that insight, Valerian. This recently, fun fact, I recreated the 1990s on a street by parking near a Fiat 127 and an E30. And as I walked up to the car again, I was like, oh, wow. And it was also parked Fiat Uno one Fiat one two seven and a BMW three series. I thought that was quite quite in London in London on a side street in like north north central west London if that makes any sense. Um, quite nice. I was I was quite happy with this view uh, as I walked out. That's my fun fact of the week. It's not as exciting as the Michelin. That's um, cool guide or the Pirelli calendar yeah coming back to what andre said about maybe not being chuckable because of mass i really want to try the taycan and i want to see if the taycan is um yes is is as pointy as we'd expect at least from all of the the journalists that we've followed the taycan is very pointy and quite a driver's car whereas the audi e-tron gt that is also based on a similar architecture, is a little bit more Audi. So it's a bit more understeering, a bit more numb in terms of feedback. So I'd like to try both, actually, um, and see what works. A- any Porsche I've ever driven has always been quite pointy and quite good fun, quite chuckable. So I assume some of that DNA carries over.
1: See, I would be then more interested in driving the Taycan GT Cross Turismo. How brilliant an idea. Make a Bev, Make a really sporty one. Oh, and then jack it up put some big wheel arch flares on there and turn it into an estate for the adventure
2: person that likes to go
1: for walks in the dark
2: yeah because because that's what audi never did <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you can buy an an
0: etro oh no you can hmm, yeah maybe you should just buy an suv for that instead sort of this weird saloon car jacked up estate thing yeah sure. and you know it's gonna sell you just it'll know sell. It's going to sell it'll sell it it'll because sell. it's made for go to the swiss alps with your skis in your poor ski box it's gonna be brilliant but you're gonna see it in hammersmith and westminster and in knightsbridge instead Because that's where it will be i did see someone who's taken a Taycan turbo s and slammed it to the ground on some like some gigantic 20 something inch rims i was like actually it looks quite nice very like silhouette. Uh, But talking about performance electric cars, as we have just done with the Taycan, brings us very neatly into our next segment, which is what's new in the world today and performance EVs um, or plugins, rather. Plugins of all forms. All plugins are welcome. Lamborghini have uh, announced that they're going to have all of their nameplates, so the Huracan, the Aventador and the Urus, as plugins very quickly. And they've got a new vehicle coming in 2024. No, well, in the latter half of this decade, so 25 to 2030, which will be a full BEV, a two-door, two four-seat full BEV GT, and it'll be distinctively Lamborghini. So I expect it to be really wild to look at. Giant rims, but it won't make any noise, so I'm not sure the people who buy it in London to drive around at five miles an hour and just go blop, 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 everywhere will be too pleased with that. But it could be fun so to look at.
1: Did you say that was based on the platform of the current uh, and
0: No, and the well, next
1: generation of Well, had?
0: apparently there's a new generation of platforms that are coming from the Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche and also Rimac group as Porsche have a stake in Rimac so that could make things very interesting uh, to see if some of that technology lands up in a Lamborghini because it's, it's the right sort of car right? if you're going to do something experimental and expensive to prove a technology and you don't need high volume, you do it in a Lamborghini Instead of, I mean, I guess Porsche is also quite high volume and Audi is just a volume, volume car. So maybe you do it in um, a Lamborghini. they also own Bugatti, and that would be interesting to see. So Lamborghini doing lots of interesting things. I do wonder where, where they're going to get their PHEV architecture from, but I guess it's a part spin special with some you know bespoke engineering for the current three nameplates. Um, but also, Ferrari is doing. Uh, has announced they're going to do a full BEV by 2025, uh, with apparently a motor for each wheel. So, would that be in-wheel motors, or will that be centrally mounted and powering each one? But you can kind of see how far they could go with that. They already okay, have. They already have a Phev, which is the SF90 Stradale, which is already a thousand horsepower or something ridiculous. So, Ferrari, if you're listening, please feel free to send one to us to talk about. And the previous one was the La Ferrari, which was also a performance hybrid. And it's quite nice. It's quite nice. I like this concept of very fast, very fast Italian car. Speaking of Italian cars, I've also noticed that Stellantis and Foxconn are doing a joint venture together to become, to create a supplier for something called Mobile Drive. And it'll be doing software solutions and hardware for um, AI-based applications, connectivity, 5G, over-the-air, e-commerce, and smart things for the cockpit. Uh, Foxconn, for those who don't know, is, is the company that makes iPhones. So they know how to make electronics in scale at a low, at a low price and charge a lot for it. So Stellantis, good move. Uh, It also means they have a new partner and they'll also be supplying to other OEMs. So they'll have some economy of scale. So there'll be some interesting moves they do there. It's only just announced. We're waiting to see what comes out of it. Maybe this is something that Apple might be interested in because Apple already worked with Foxconn there. Foxconn's biggest uh, client. They make every iPhone.
1: I mean, I'm not very clued on to this, but... Have Apple done
0: anything for in-vehicle entertainment? So all those rumors of the Apple car that came and went, um, apparently they're back. The rumors are back. So that's interesting. There was something a few months ago that Apple and Hyundai Kia had signed some MOU to do some work together. But that's not gone anywhere yet, apparently. But there definitely seem to be hiring from across the auto industry on a very secretive um, mission. So maybe they are looking at making a car. Maybe they are looking at becoming a technologies provider. And they're not just hiring people to compete with the Google integration uh, that you've got
2: in Polestar, for example. They seem to be
0: doing something very different.
1: Okay. All right,
2: okay. Yeah, I I think these companies, they are uh, trying to figure out whether they can provide complete cockpit um, technology and experiences. So it's not only Apple, yeah. I think companies like Huawei, maybe at some points, I don't know what, what other uh, sort of companies like that are around, but they have a mixture of all these different technologies that just form a complete ecosystem. Um, and, yeah. and that's what they're offering as a, as a product. Yep, because um, you can with companies like uh, I don't know Arrival and then other uh, startup companies with with like high volume public transport stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just you know combine the two and and, and you have a personalized maybe more personalized subscription thing service, yeah, tailored to you know whatever the whole shebang.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the even the EV startups that are looking at just buying platforms from other people, because you can, I think, reach out to Volkswagen and try and get your hands on a MEB platform, which is the platform under the ID3. You could then choose to either use their infotainment or just get one from somewhere else. And companies like Pioneer, Panasonic, LG, Samsung have always been suppliers to current vehicle OEMs with the screens and the displays and the sensors and yada, yada, yada. That's not to say they couldn't go a step further and just give you a whole kit of parts which you just dress up to suit your design language and go from there
2: yeah because you, you just get the exterior from one company you get the interior the whole cockpit system then you do a subscription service where with I don't know at the beginning you can I mean the, the total amount of features let's say it's 50 and then uh, whatever you pay uh, you'll get towards that that 50 uh, what you need, so you can get lots of infotainment stuff, just purely what, what you pay for is what you get.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there is logic to say you effectively, as a car company, you just design what it looks like and define the attributes and do some of the integration work, but you can buy everything else off the shelf and you can outsource manufacturing as well to somebody like Magna or some, for example. So, yeah. th- so you could outsource some of the the bits that don't really affect your brand as much from a visual perspective and a customer feeling perspective, and then go from there. So it's it's interesting to see that, you know, big electronics outsource manufacturing companies who already have that ecosystem are now working with the OEMs on a slightly larger scale. And Stellantis is one of the biggest OEMs. And while we talk about Stellantis, they seem to be dominating this conversation, maybe because they have so many brands. I have noticed that they've also announced the Opel slash Vauxhall uh, E-Vivaro hydrogen van is going to be on sale this year in Europe as an Opel, and will be coming to the UK as well at some point, you know, probably 2023. Interesting, but I'm intrigued to see what they are doing in terms of infrastructure for hydrogen, because that's not really everywhere. Germany probably has the best supply chain for hydrogen fuel cell powertrains, but that's to make the make the vehicle. I'm not sure there is as much in the way of filling stations, but then again, it's coming. It's coming faster than expected. So there's that. Yeah. Am I the only one
1: that's really excited about this? Because it could mean we would have hydrogen-powered campervans,
0: which means you could use the hydrogen for cooking and for the electrics on board. You could, yeah. I mean, you could also run your... You could also have a BEV camper van. True, but then you, you're
1: kind of using electric energy, aren't you, to, to cook and stuff like that, which is
0: zapping a lot of power, whereas
1: potentially well, you're
0: using hydrogen to well, burn... You still have to fill the hydrogen, right? And you're less... If you're in the middle of the wood somewhere, just use case scenario, you're in the middle <laughs> of the wood somewhere, you've got your hydrogen van, you decide to run your stuff and your music system and your bar and your whatever else you're doing uh, off of your hydrogen camper van. You run out of hydrogen. What do you do? It's the same. If I ran out of battery juice, what do I do? You're less... I mean, the, there's the efficiency aspect of the battery. The bigger battery in the BEV will... Not use as much to convert to your non-transport need, if that makes sense. The the, 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 effi- the efficiency of the of electrons going from your big BEV battery to your outlet port via a dc is probably going to be like 95, 96 percent, mm-hmm. whereas a fuel cell, if you run it, will be a lot less.
2: so, so more actually, no. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Can't, if, you, if you're out of that, that juice, can't you just, you know, with a normal battery, you can rub it against your, your pants a little bit? So <laughs> the, way, the way, you know, rub it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think if you rub the, um, the hydrogen tank really hard and quickly, preferably with something like metally or a stone or a rock uh, on it, it should be great. But be- you
2: know what? That is the safest place to do so in you the keep- forest. I don't even know what
0: to say. Uh, you'll be pleased. You'll be pleased to know that hydrogen fuel tanks uh, in vehicles are designed to not have to deal with people like you, Andre, doing these sort of things to them. Uh, must they, be a use case. Somebody must be engineering for it. Uh, somebody has enge- the engineer for like I think shrapnel and road debris and maybe bullets. I'm not sure rubbing a stone on it is going to do much but maybe i'm wrong
2: if you'd how, like to f- how how is that how is that going to happen if you want a hydrogen armored car would that be something in the future probably
0: or, be, or would, would,
2: would would like the the opponent wouldn't they be more enthusiastic because now they think well we can really blow this shit up <laughs> but would so you instead not instead of bullets they'll just get there with an, with, a, with an RPG or a bazooka, just for the wow effect.
0: I think you'll probably be able to make your hydrogen fuel tank also weapons grade, with a cover, just like you do for the rest of the car. So armor, armor it effectively. Yeah, protect the fuel tank with people around it. <laughs> I'm glad none of you are working on hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. Such a good idea. Let's move on from hydrogen before you have some other great ideas that somebody else will (laughs) listen and then decide to put a patent application in for and then get fired for having stupid ideas. We did notice also on the topic of Stellantis that they've given three of their brands 10 years to prove themselves, out of which two of them are quite, you know, historical. Alfa Romeo, Lancia are the two historical ones, and DS, which is... Used to be a sub-brand of Citroen, now is a standalone brand. Does okay in Europe, does slightly better in China. Quite a bit better in China. But they've given them 10 years to figure out what their purpose is and what they're doing. Today, Alfa Romeo make two cars, the Giulia and Stelvio, on a platform that uh, is not being carried over into the rest of Stellantis. So that's a slight waste in some way. Beautiful cars, fantastic, but probably uh, will get replaced by something. Lancia make one car, the Ypsilon, which is based on a Fiat 500 platform, the last one. So that's not. Which is only sold, I think, in Italy? Only sold in Italy. It is available in other markets, badged as a Chrysler. If you see one, take a picture because there's probably five of them. Is that collectible to have in the future? I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. I think this the the Lancia Ypsilon will get remembered in history like, you know, 40 years from now as the car Lancia shouldn't have stuck the badge on. But they had
1: uh, to. Yeah. Well, I mean, OK, again, I'm biased because growing up in Italy, but you did see a lot of them around back in the day. And they did offer a little bit more.
0: Space convenience better value let's say style over a panda but would it have more style over a fiat 500
2: they they were a little bit more they had a little bit more luxury inside they did yeah
1: bear in mind at the time you couldn't really get a 500 that was the same price point size
0: okay yeah if
1: i remember correctly it was quite a bit
0: smaller than than the epsilon yeah i think the epsilon is bigger Although yeah. now you can get a Fiat 500 in whatever size you'd like. It's like going to McDonald's. You want an L, an XL, a XL, a X, just an X. They talk about DS. It's exactly the same. Yeah, the yeah. DS. Well, I I mean, DS3, DS5, DS6. I think that was it, right? That they made? DS9 now, apparently. Just Lovely. saw the video the
1: other day. Lovely. Should go compete with the, the BMW 5 Series Mercedes E-Class. Although I had some really funky lights. I need to Google that, that some that- more. Where Did actually they, when the car turns off, the lights turn around like these three diamonds look like they turn.
0: Uh, so anyone interested, go YouTube. They, they, I must say Citroen do have some really cool, well, sorry, DS have some really cool styling. But I'm not sure if making a 5 Series or a E-Class competitor is sensible at all. We'll uh, see. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Stellantis, three brands, 10 years. Alfa Romeo, Lancia, and DS, what do you do?
1: Alfa is a well-established brand. It's still known by everybody around the world. I'd say just focus on it, make it, keep it sporty, keep it beautiful Italian design, of course, but change the platform that you're building it off and make that, um, just go electric. Risk have, it, but yeah, you need to ha- do something new.
0: They'll have to go electric anyways. And the platform that the Julia and Stelvio are on now are is not going to be carried across to anything else. So they have some scale opportunities to experiment as well. So what platform did that come off? Uh, it was a bespoke platform that was built for Alpha and the other fiat brands. Uh, and then they merged with, uh, well, then Stellantis became a thing. And now there's a lot more other platforms coming from the places from the likes of Opel, Peugeot, Citroën, etc. Okay. So the, my the, understanding was that they were gonna
1: put those in like apparently a new platform was gonna called Georgia.
0: Yeah, but I think that's also that's also been slightly canned because it's been it, delayed from what I understand. Well uh, indefinitely delayed possibly. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. The the technical term is it's been bookshelved for now. and We'll yeah. we'll revisit that in the history book in about twenty years. So, Alva, what do you do with lancia They make one car, Valerian, one car, the Ypsilon. What do you do with well, lancia
2: Given given the current circumstances, one car is enough because of the chip shortage. So it's good that they only have one car.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you see the positivity in this scenario. But yeah. let's assume at some point, chips are not a problem anymore. What do you do then? Think slightly further ahead.
2: Yeah, just, just experiment with the brand. Because can you, can you actually build an electric vehicle with, within, within the same kind of category they're doing now? Uh, would that I mean, what, what, what is the, the current category that, that they're building? cars for now it's a small car it's a small car uh, it's a small city car. will that small car still exist in an x amount of years or will have some uh, uh will some subscri- subscription service have taken over from from the small car uh category maybe, maybe. so i, I really struggle to see what to do with Lancia. i'm more of a a classic car guy, so I automatically think just just do some some funky stuff with you know, cars that they've they've built several years ago from from the 30s 40s uh, 50s because they were pretty cars back then. Maybe do something around that. Maybe more retro vintage. Yeah, maybe. Uh, otherwise, I just yeah, I don't I don't really see anything else.
0: And what do you think you should they should do with DS? Because that's a relatively new brand that did well for a while with the DS3 and then the 4 and the 5 and the 6 and the 9, apparently, I think. But it's only really sold in Europe a little bit and in China. But it went into China as a new brand. So it was funky. One of the biggest car markets in the world. It worked. But I think they're confused what to do with it now because now they have all these overlapping vehicles which compete for the same customer.
1: But I guess, especially if you're now talking about China, I don't know what other products they have in China that have had the same
0: impact as the S. True. I mean, Fiat don't really sell anything that Jeep sells there, but it's not the same same market, obviously. It's not the same customer now. I think Peugeot and Citroën still have some sort of uh, manufacturing, some, some presence there, some joint ventures. I mean, would you go all out and say, Alfa Romeo, you're going to be the hydrogen fuel cell brand? Uh, Lancia, you'll be the electric brand, and uh, DS, you will be the quirky French styling electric brand, sharing platforms with Lancia. But does it mean anything to the customer?
2: Yeah. Can you you transfer those kind of European values over to to an Asian country like that, where they're really, really focused on the amount of features in the car? But is propulsion
1: Uh, even interesting to customers anymore?
0: Well, propulsion is interesting to customers at the moment because they're not looking for performance; they're looking for cost well, and range. I guess cost and range, and well, tax dodging. Yeah,
2: benefits. Yeah,
0: yeah. Benefits. yeah, yeah. benefits. Yeah, those benefits. Yeah. Those benefits. Could you do that? Could you experiment with one of those brands as alternate propulsion technologies? They can use similar platforms. As a I mean,
2: start, DS could because they they have you know that Citroen. Um, and, and that Citroen Ami, you know, that, what what is it, 20, 30 miles per hour car with a, a really, really low range. But but in those, you know, big Chinese cities where there is hardly any space anyway, such a small car doesn't have to go fast, doesn't have to go that far, could actually be interesting as some sort of commute.
0: Yeah. Would they put DS badges on that or they're more likely to put a Lancia badge on a Citroen Ami platform considering Lancia make one car?
2: I don't think any of us could do this but how would you pronounce the brand over there what's easier good point
0: very good point on that
2: i'm uh, not, not going to do that because i'll be slaughtered
0: you will be <laughs> you will be slaughtered on that note so basically they have a few options that they can uh, go after uh, best of luck to the person having to do this As their day job, I I would assume they have a bit more data than we do uh, to form an opinion.
1: Kill the Lancia brand, save the marketing and the people, the resource, focus on the other two.
2: (laughs) Sell it and spend the money on restoring all the current cars. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Okay.
0: Kill Lancia, use it for experimental purposes and put all those people on Alfa Romeo
2: and expand and DS.
0: Okay, uh, Stellantis, if you're listening, feel free to get in touch. Send us a check. Let's yeah, move on. Some, from... some
2: free advice from us. Next time you have to pay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Moving on from fixing the the car world's current issues, uh, let's talk about where you can experience car culture from the past and present. We've all been to like different things: museums, car shows. You know, going to people's private collections that are open to the public. Going for driving holidays, destination, etc. Do you have any obscure ones that stand out? So I'm, I'm thinking. One's not like the Goodwood Festival of Speed that everyone's heard of, or the classic show in Essen that is also pretty famous, but some of the other ones that um, you've come across.
1: I'm actually really looking forward to this because I think Valerian has some real pearls in there that uh, I can uh, go experience myself. So uh,
0: yeah, no pressure. Uh, Let's call it the, the Valerian guide, not the Michelin guide.
2: Yeah, well, the, the lucky thing I experienced being a kid um, and being obsessed with cars and then having parents that you do want to help you a bit here and there. So family brought me to several museums all over Europe. I think one of the the most impressive ones when I was a kid was the the Schlumpf collection. Uh, it's actually based in France. Uh, it's one of the largest private collections as well. Um, and when I went there in the in the late later eighties, I think the, the the first memory I have there is of a uh, what was it a BMW M1 Turbo concept car? But that whole museum is just littered with the older Bugattis, Ferraris, Maseratis, uh, the German brands, and it's just massive. And it's 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 so interesting because it's in a, in a little little village. I can't recall the name. I have to I have to Google it somewhere it's close to on um, to the border of uh, between uh, germany and france it's in france and um yeah that that was a very very impressive museum another one i can highly recommend is the uh, panini collection in uh, in italy uh, near bologna and this is a museum mostly consisting of maseratis um, mm. and they do have other really interesting stuff there but the, the panini f- family is actually I don't know if you uh, had any of these things but but they used to sell I still do football stickers uh in my time was oh, transformers yeah. everything and yeah I, I ended up in 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 their museum in uh in 2007 when I was on the on a uh, kind of a work trip with my with the car magazine I worked for and they told me we were going to the Panini collection and I was like wow this these people actually have a massive collection so you enter that that space littered with with cars engines uh ferrari formula one engines um, they have some really cool concept cars they have motorbikes um pretty much everything yeah it's, it's insane really insane
0: where is the panini collection
2: uh also have to google that one uh, it's it? near bologna
0: okay italy somewhere basically
2: yeah, 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 Modena, I think. Yeah, it's Modena. I think it's Modena. it's Modena. Yeah, it's
0: Modena. That's quite nice. That's cool. I mean, you know, the me and you went to Motor World in Cologne to look at the Michael Schumacher exhibition, let's say, of his collection of Formula One cars, which is quite special anyways. But there was also all of these other vehicles on display that are privately owned, stored there, but the public can come and look at it. I quite like that concept. Of, yes. you have an interesting car you're not hiding it in a garage just for you to salivate on yourself I mean there's nothing wrong if you want to but if you have something really special if other people can look at it as well that's really cool
2: and that's quite nice
0: I quite like yes.
2: those this is part of the, uh, the uh, Werkstatt uh, company uh, that you I went don't. to Berlin didn't you?
0: you uh, went to Berlin I went to the one in Berlin as well yeah similar motor world yeah similar concept yeah. also gigantic yeah. Uh, There's a a chain of them across Germany, basically. I think in most of the big cities, the collectors uh, keep them there. Also because it's quite safe, because they have security. I would recommend if anybody's going through Germany, stop at one of these, on your way to Italy to go to the Panini Museum, or the Panini Collection rather.
1: Actually on the way, you can stop in uh, Molus. That's where the uh, Schlumpf collection
0: is.
2: Ah yeah, Mulhouse, Mulhouse, yeah.
0: So for your future travel needs, please give us a ring. We're also travel experts in our spare time. Very niche market of travel experts, but we can tell you where to go. We'd also suggest you take the road via Reims in France and get a nice picture.
2: Get a really nice
0: picture. Yeah. And on the way to the Reims, R-E-I-M-S, Reims. It's an old racetrack, public roads basically now, but all the old pit buildings are still there. So you can park outside and get some pictures and stand in the pit box. And, you know, it's quite nice. It's, it's effectively a highway, you now, but you can stop there. It's always full of people yeah. parking up for pictures. So we'd recommend I'm that. To remember that.
2: Nicely, yeah. nicely restored.
0: Mm. Only some mm. crumbling bricks, but, you know, patina. Mm.
2: Patina, exactly. Patina. It's all, it's all of the patina. Andre, Andre, have you been to the uh, Laumann Museum in uh, The Hague, in the Netherlands?
1: No, I have not. But um, seeing that I'm planning all my holidays and I'm, uh, I'm driving past half of these things, I'm, uh, I'm putting them all on the plan. And uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, months, I can uh, have a look.
2: That's also highly recommended.
0: Is that a Noted. private collection or is that a open?
2: That is also a, a, a private collection um, of, uh, of Lauman. Um, one of the largest collections on, on the planet as well very, very quirky, uh, very broad and diverse. Uh, so it, it's a separate building that, that he, he built for this entire collection. And the, the most amazing thing is, is that it's all period correct. So you go through these phases, you go through, uh, there's a motorsport phase, there's a, an early car phase. And he even built an entire street, an old street within that building that kind of resembles the atmosphere back then. So you have shops in there filled with tools, uh, machines, components. So he also collects, uh, you know, dead stock, all that sort of stuff. When you would buy a car, more of a luxury car in, in the 1910s, 20s, uh, you could get a complete porcelain collection with that as well so you've got plates vases uh you name it uh all with that brand and he's got complete collections of that as well he's got massive rooms full of posters uh paintings uh statues just it's just ridiculous the amount of stuff that he has and uh yeah it's 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 definitely recommended he even has um the oldest Toyota car in the world, um, and cool. Mister Mister Toyota's desk as well. Oh so yeah! He kind of rebuilt his office with his his actual desk. That's cool. The, the car next to it, he's got a whole collection of of old Bugattis, including a little um, kind of children children's uh, pedal car, a Bugatti that was made by Bugatti himself. Oh so. Wow and a Bugatti plane hanging, hanging above that. So it's, it's just, yeah. Incredible.
0: That's very cool.
2: Another That's place to very, stop then. Very
0: good. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely September tick.
0: I'm, yep. g- I'm so happy. We are giving Andre things to do on his holiday. Um, yeah.
1: Cause I had no idea what to do on my holidays. I was just going to go away, but I didn't know what to do. So. Well,
0: now you do. Now, you know. Now I do. Now you do. There's also other things you can do in these places when you go there, I'm sure. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you for that uh, insight into things to do. I feel like Valerian still has a, like a repository in his head of where else. So we'll come back to this topic in the future. Let's talk about motorsport. Many things have happened in the last two weeks. The Spanish Grand Prix happened. IndyCar happened. The Formula E happened in Monaco. And the Monaco Grand Prix is next. Let's Let's start with the Spanish Grand Prix. Andre, did you watch the race this time? I
1: actually managed to watch the race this time. Congratulations. I'm very proud. I'm very proud. I'm not going to miss the next one, though, again. I, yeah, I need to stop planning my weekend's away when there's Grand Prix. But this year, I've been very good at planning that. Uh,
0: I, I would say on the Formula One website, you can look at their schedule, and it says, add to calendar, and it sticks it in your calendar, which helps uh, with life planning. That
1: would never stick. That would never stick. Um, But I thought it was actually entertaining race. I know potentially on track overtakes were limited. The hunting down of Hamilton of Max was uh, was a good one, and I think that this year's championship seems to be a good one to watch. I I, I quite en- I enjoyed it. To be fair. Yeah.
0: I mean, Spain is never an overtake fest, but it was a strategy fest, which was quite nice to see actually. The hunting, the different options, and I was confused why they didn't immediately stop Verstappen or at least somewhere where he had fresher tyres so he could catch Lewis, so effectively do what Mercedes did to him, back to him. But there was a point where it was too late.
1: I don't think it would have mattered either way, if I'm very honest.
0: I mean, he was going to finish second anyways, so I may as well try something at that point. It's not like Bottas was in the running, which is a a common theme.
2: Maybe they could have been a little bit more clever with Perez?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, didn't Perez finish behind Leclerc? I believe he did. Wasn't he fourth? I thought, oh no, he was fourth. Yeah, he was fourth. I I must say, but Leclerc did really well. Um, Best of the rest, by far. Stuck at P4 in qualifying. He continues. And we now go to Monaco, which is his backyard, where he's never finished the race since 2017 in any category. So this should be fun.
2: Is that because he wanted to go home really quickly?
0: I think so, yeah. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Um, I think he just, I think, you know, he said he grew up watching the race as a child and I think he wants to hold on to that memory. But the only way to do that when you're at a Grand Prix weekend and you're driving in the Grand Prix is to finish earlier. Crash out. Yeah, okay. Correct. Charles, don't listen to this shit. Please finish the race. Preferably qualify really well and then just sit there in the middle of the road. Do a Danny Rick from a few years ago. Even though you're not the fastest car on track, just stick it in the middle of the road. Just keep, keep rolling.
2: Yeah. Don't do an LAC though.
0: No, no, don't do an Alessi. no. So, Spanish Grand Prix was quite interesting. There was the Monaco Formula E race, which was actually on the full Monaco circuit rather than the short one they've done in the past. So, they're getting closer to the F1 length tracks, but... Definitely not the F1 speed, but it was quite impressive because all the cars are so similar. They're a bit narrower. They don't have this following challenge that Formula One has. So they do send them into places where you wouldn't expect overtakes in a Formula One car or a Formula Two car for that matter. I think I saw Mitch Evans overtake people going up the hill. Towards Casido. okay. Through Bloshimo. no, 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 that's spa. So that was impressive, and then there were all of these other dicey battles going on everywhere, left, right, and center. So it made it made it quite interesting to watch. Uh, and they were running out of energy in the last lap, which is funny, but also not funny at the same time.
1: Was it like who could be the slowest
0: person yeah, across the line? Yeah, because because Evan started the last lap in the lead, and then started slowing down for energy conservation. So it meant on the line he, during the lap he was passed by someone and then on the line he was passed by another car. He still finished on the podium, but we've got cars slowing down on the last lap everywhere because they might run out of energy. So they're effectively just crawling, cruising to get, get across the line. It's, it's an interesting strategy it's, it, yeah. I mean a- energy conservation is a large part of Formula E which is smart because that's how they'll develop their systems and battery tech and algorithms to actually
2: drive the car which can
0: at least be transferred in some way to road cars
2: why don't they just put like a bunch of old people in the car then <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: for conservation
2: exactly There's plenty of battery left it's a race I, car you should just get some taxi drivers obviously these guys are going way too quick for for what the car can do so yeah then they run out of battery but just put some older people in there
1: i think they need to stick some solar panels on that to keep them going across the line
2: or roads with uh, integrated uh, electronics so they can charge them while they're driving the, dynamic oh, wireless is. charging that'd be quite nice to see actually uh, there are
0: tests on that going on in, that does exist it does exist yeah, yeah. there are te- there are tests happening at the moment I think we should convert them to trolley buses. <laughs>
2: Just like an Arnhem.
0: <laughs> wow. Trolley bus racing. Can't wait. Can't wait. Coming from the land of reverse racing and caravan racing. Beautiful. <laughs> yes Thanks. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks for that. Let's move on to a good news story. Uh, Mr. Grosjean stuck it on pole in his third attempt at Indica. That was exciting. He didn't win it, did he? He came second. He didn't win it. He came second. Oh, that's a pity. For it's a pity. Yeah. I, I I did turn on the race a few laps into it and I thought he's still in the lead by a decent margin. Damn. And he was there or thereabouts. He got outfoxed by um, by your fellow Dutch person, Renus. Renus. I can't pronounce it. Renus. Yeah. Renus did a great job. Of VK. He did a good job of. I think he started seventh or something. That's the thing with IndyCar; you know, there's lots of passing everywhere, and it was at the Indy GP circuit, so the one that F1 used to race on in like the two thousands. You all remember two thousand and five, six car race. Back in the good old days.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. When, what was it? Michelin uh, didn't turn up. They didn't earn their star that
0: week. No, they didn't earn their star that week. So that was a good. That was good to see Rosier. I'm. I'm. I'm willing to bet Rosier is probably one of the most popular drivers. Not just in IndyCar, but anywhere right now, thanks to his Bahrain situation.
2: Uh, yeah, it's that, and the fact that he's so extremely happy with his motorhome. Yes,
0: yes, that too. Yes, he's he's been driving around Andre. He's a man after your
2: own heart, driving know, around the motorhomes.
1: I, I, I actually, yeah, I thought it was brained. Actually, how excited he was about driving around in this big big motorhome.
2: Continuous um, stream of selfies with his motorhome. <laughs> It's just he's, hilarious.
0: He's embraced the life. Yes. But uh, this weekend is the Monaco Grand Prix, which should be really good fun. It could be close. If Red Bull don't win, they're really screwed, basically, uh, in terms of championship. But I can see there being a few safety cars this time, at least one. There will be some putting it in the wall on Sunday. But there's There'll still
1: be... masses, masses, masses
0: to uh, to help the whole thing out. That's so, uh... why I said safety cars. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> And I can see there being some overly brave moves into places, which could make the race quite interesting. It's not—it's another overtake-free zone, pretty much. But we might see some lunges. We might see some interesting things. It'll be a strategy battle, I think. But there will be safety cars. Let's see what happens. We'll get some brave people. And my wild prediction is Charles Leclerc on the podium, Kimi Raikkonen in the top seven, and maybe Williams might score a point if it's a crazy race
2: we need rain for this
0: or just a safety car
2: yeah rain fine I want rain fine. have rain L- lots of rain have just rain, like bro. just like when was it 96 yes when, when there uh, was uh, pretty much only a, a top three or t- a top, top four, four left i think top four finished i guess
0: the if anybody has to win the race then it's Pierre Gasly as the french person on the grid Oh no, I mean, there is Leclerc who's actually not. I mean, there's
1: Leclerc. He's actually But he's the... not going to make it. He's going to go home to see his family. So,
0: yeah. He could win the race and then go and stand in his friend's balcony and watch the ceremony and just watch the confusion of <laughs> looking for. Too me. long.
2: Too long. Too, too long. long. It's, yeah, it's, it's too long, that's long that's
0: for a... him. No, it's yeah. too long for him. Okay, fine. Well, I think he's going to be on the podium. That's my plan. That's my assumption. It's my prediction. for the next
1: podcast that you can tell us all about how the race went.
0: Yes. And then I'll tell you how wrong I might have been for some of the other aspects of it. On that note, let us end here. uh, It's been emotional. Yes. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week or the week after. Some point soon. Subscribe if you want to know. There's a thought. Leave us some good good ratings on Spotify or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. Bye, people. Goodbye, people. Bye-bye.